Hello, and welcome to the Modern Romantic Podcast, where we celebrate romanticism through art, storytelling, music, poetry, creating, and drinking, well, questionable beverages out of delightful mugs. Uh, hi, my name is, I'm a little bit rock and roll, I'm Trey. Excellent. <laughs> I am Emily, um, and I picked my name to be Sunflower today because I love sunflowers. That's so nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you are listening to this podcast you might be interested to know that we also stream this live on twitch a whole week in advance so if you want to catch the video interview live and interact with our guests via the chat visit twitch.tv slash the modern romantic and follow our social media channels for announcements on who we are having on um before we uh before we get to our very esteemed guest tonight one thing that I wanted to share is that I'm in the middle of creating a new cosplay. Um, and I've actually pulled out my sketchbook for probably the first time in years. Um, and been able to draft up a new cosplay. Uh, and I'm actually basing it on one of the costumes from Game of Thrones. So I'm oh. adapting it because it's it is a woman's cosplay um, that I am taking and I'm chopping off the sleeves to create more like a robed dress mm -hmm. um, so that it fits me. Um, and then I'm making a bolero jacket out of it, um, out of using that same bell sleeve pattern for the arms. Okay. And then taking that and putting that onto a bolero jacket so it's like two separate pieces. That way I don't really have to be concerned about shoulders fitting into the dress. I only have to worry about like the sides fitting. Okay. And then shoulders fitting for like this open jacket that doesn't have the button. So even if the shoulders expand, uh, like we'll put on more muscle, that sort of thing, I can still wear the jacket potentially. Oh, I love it. So trying to think like for future uses, um, but I'm thinking of making it in this nice white dupioni, um, faux, faux dupioni. I do, I'm not made of money. I'm not made of money. <laughs> Um, I'm looking at this really nice white fabric from fabric.com, uh, but doing the whole thing in white with some red and blue accents. Okay. I'm picturing I it. Will. I'm not going to tell you who the character is just yet, because uh, I don't want anyone to steal my idea. Um, but I pulled out my sketchbook, and I'm very proud of the fact that I actually like sketched this out, and I'm thinking ahead of things before I actually go and do it. That's amazing. Because I've sketched stuff for you before just to, like, play around with ideas, but I don't know if I've ever seen a sketch of yours. I mean, it's nothing to write home about. I'm going to be honest. My artistic skills are <laughs> subpar at best. I don't know about that. I've just never seen a sketch of yours. Um, I do. I will say I draw incredible hands. Like, if you give me a hand to draw, I will. I can actually sketch hands pretty well. I do want to see this, the hand okay. sketching. Okay. Uh, maybe not my hand, but a hand. <laughs> I was going to say, draw me like one of your French hands. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> draw... <laughs> I was okay. going to... Um... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, please, someone cover up that awkwardness of a statement. No, it was great. It was great. Uh, so my week, I'm sorry. Uh, my week was um, 
oh gosh, I'm I'm finishing up the the latest edition of the magazine, and that is called All Creatures Great and Small, and which is near and dear to my heart because I love animals, even the naughty ones that are running around here right now, and um, we partnered with um, uh, Joel Sartor that photographs for National Geographic or has photographed for National Geographic and photographs endangered species um and it's phenomenal um so speaking of animals because i love them so much um i got my boyfriend a, a fish tank for christmas back at christmas not now <laughs> so we went and this week and got uh four little fish for the fish tank finally we got it set up we got the plants there's live plants in there i wanted it all natural looking like a like a um what you might what a fish might actually experience not like uh neon colors and they ha that's kind of a thing i've noticed it's been a while since i've had to set up a fish tank and i've noticed that it's kind of a, a a an in thing to have neon elements to your fish tank to where they actually sell neon themed like where the everything's kind of black and a black background and everything so your fish can extra glow and what I didn't know is that these fish that glow, there are some that actually have iridescence and things to them that are natural, like neon tetras. And like the fish we got are, uh, they're cichlids that are uh, ram, ram cichlids. And they have like these cool little neon, not neon, they look bright iridescent blue in the light, which is cool, but I these fish that are actually like neon bright yellow bright orange bright pink um almost all of them are injected with a dye they actually inject these fish with a dye and i don't i don't mean to bring the mood down but i was when i looked into that i was really that distressed me i didn't want i don't want to perpetuate such a thing and it feels wrong just to have and it fades it actually goes away over time it's not a permanent thing and allegedly, it doesn't hurt the fish, but I don't want that. Yeah, they're South American blue ram cichlids are the fish we got. And they're tiny. They're like an inch, uh -huh. inch and a quarter, maybe. More like an inch. They're really tiny. And there's two boys and two girls, and they're adorable. And they're well-adapted into their very natural-looking environment Aww. with the live plants. And they're happy and healthy, and that's the important thing. Oh, that's and awesome. That's what I did with. That's one thing I did this week. Yeah. Aww. So I'll I, have to post pictures or something on social media at some point. Just having it. I, I think Caponis would love to see more pictures of Huckleberry uh, along with some of our viewers. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, if you um, don't know who Huckleberry is, he's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well. Uh, Emily, I am very thankful to hear that you are adding to the collection of animals that you do have. Um, if, for those who don't know, I love all of Emily's animals. Um, I love Velvet. I love um, her other cat, whose name escapes me at the moment. I really cannot. Oliver. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I love him. To, I love him to pieces. But I'm sorry, but Huckleberry just has my heart, just, just straight up. Um, the other thing that I, that honestly has my heart is fantasy. 
which kind of leads me into our very esteemed guest tonight. And I would like to take just a moment to read some of her bio um, tonight uh, about Danielle M. Orsino. She's a fantasy novelist whose lifelong vision to create whimsical realms that her readers can escape to. Her compelling word-weaving pays homage to a multitude of personal muses from Chris Claremont to George Perez, both famous comic book writers, to Anne Rice and Wonder Woman. This well-esteemed uh, novelist has created such works from unexpected places, uh, notably from inside of a hospital while working as a nurse. Uh, she is also a very accomplished martial, martial artist, having won such titles as the World Martial Arts Hall of Fame inductee in 1999, Female Artist of the Year, WKA World Champion Silver Medalist. She's had the opportunity to perform for Bill Clinton um, and alongside Vincent Lynn and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, she currently has a bachelor's degree in uh, kinesiology and exercise science and is a licensed practical nurse who focuses on Lynn disease research. Um, ladies and gentlemen, fae folk of the realm and lords and ladies of all kinds, please welcome Danielle M. Orsino. That's my Hi silent. guys, how are you? <laughs> we're we're golf clap. clap, silently clapping. Mm -hmm. yeah. Clap, 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 clap. Hi. Hi, thanks for coming Hello. on today. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm a fan of the magazine first and foremost, so let me just say that. Thank you. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. The magazine's beautiful. I know that's how we met over Instagram, so mm -hmm. it's nice to see you in person, so to speak. Yeah, yeah nice so to see you, you too. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is lovely. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, did, I, I did comment to Danielle uh, when we were first getting set up that I felt incredibly um, underdressed and it made me want to like go find like my tuxedo or something and just go like throw that on um, so first and foremost you look incredible oh thank you so much I like to bring a little bit of the veil and Queen Aurora out uh, you know wherever I go I think a little sparkle never hurts anybody especially in this day and age you know everybody should have every gal should wear a crown it doesn't yeah. hurt so uh, you know I got my little crown from uh, Enchanting Earth to uh, bring, you know, just a little bit of sparkle nowadays. Sorry, go Dan, uh, go for it, Emily. <laughs> I was just going to say for for those listeners that aren't and viewers who aren't familiar with your book series, tell us about what you're wearing so that they I, understand it. I'm actually wearing the look that I wore on the cover of book two, Thine Eyes of Mercy. Okay. So a blue corset that was made for me by Rainbow Corsetry. She's, Joni's a phenomenal um, corset tree, corset artist. Don't know, she's an artist as far as I'm concerned, but she actually made this corset for me. Uh, she was inspired by uh, a passage in the book. So it's cool. hand done blue and it's uh, kind of inspired by the crystal, the lapis lazuli crystal. So she used that as inspiration and then created this uh, beautiful corset. And then the crown, uh, Jamie at Enchanting Earth Co made the crown based off of the crown that Queen, Queen Aurora wears in the series. So it's got the angelite disc with the uh, archangel sigil in it and the quartz points. So, you know, it's kind of all inspired by people who've read the book, which I find so humbling and sweet and I just love it. So whenever I can wear it, I bust it out. That's awesome. I love the shout outs to the creators too. 
and the other artists involved. That's awesome. Yeah. I try to, you know, when I can make my own stuff, I definitely do it. I'm a cosplayer first and foremost. So Mm -hmm. it all kind of works, but Harley Quinn didn't really feel right for this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do have to say this is incredible. And just looking at this for our viewers, it's not just a blue. I'm going to quote, um, I am going to quote a little bit of uh, Double Rush Prada. It is a cerulean blue with this incredible, incredible boning. And it's not just any kind of boning. It looks like it is about a half inch boning with this incredible lace work on the side. Um, a little bit of some, are those flowers or what kind of detail is that on the uh, on your right hand side? This is actually a dragonfly wing <gasps> that pops up. So it, there's actually a magnet in the back that'll actually pop up. So I have my wings as well. Oh, cool. It's amazing. Yeah. She really outdid herself with this. So I was, I love it. And like I said, any chance I get to pull myself in, pour myself into a corset, I'm all about it. But uh, we wound up wearing it for the cover of book two as well mm-hmm. so i was really i was happy and i couldn't believe that i was my publisher uh four horsemen were actually like yeah let's throw you on the cover i was kind of like i'm gonna do what now but <laughs> they uh they're they're cosplayers themselves so they were like you know what? we're gonna redo all the covers and we're gonna throw you on the on the cover of them so they uh yeah they took all i cosplayed as my characters and they were like let's take those pictures and let's pop them on the covers so I was Lady Serena for co- the first cover. I was Queen Aurora for the second cover. And for Thine Eyes of Mer- um, for I'm sorry, From the Ashes, the third cover, I was uh, Desdemona. So it was um, very interesting to actually play the characters, you know, create the looks uh, with my makeup artist, uh, Denise Apostle, and sit there and really think about bringing those characters to life and everything that goes into it as cosplayers and, you know, everything that goes into it. You don't think about it, but then all of a sudden it was like, okay, would she wear a cape? Well, a cape in battle gets this, you know, gets pulled or whatever. You know, there's so much that you have to stop and think about as an author, but then Mm -hmm. creating the look is something totally different. But it was great. I got to make swords and do all that kind of stuff. So it was really cool. Yeah. Wow. You made swords too. Yep. I made the Harbinger swords that Desdemona uh, uses as part of the... The Illuminasca, which is the elite female fighting force in uh, in the Court of Light. They have mm-hmm. two swords that they use that if you're killed with them, your essence shows up as a tattoo on the on the Illuminasca's body. So there are these long serrated hooked swords that they carry around in their boots. And I got to actually make them. I used 3D printing, oh, but I finished them myself and did everything. Uh, you know, I, my father helped me a lot. My father um, makes motorcycles, racing bikes and things like that. So he helped me a lot with the paint job and was, you know, he got really into detail of like, well, you got to start with a blue coat first. He's like, the base layer should be blue. And I was kind of like, huh? And he's like, trust me on this. If you want the right color gray, this is how you got to do it. So he was like, you're going to layer it in blue. And I'm like, okay, dad. And he's like, then we're going to go steel and gray, but then you're going to put a layer of black on, then you're going to take white, you know, sandpaper, and then we're going to sand it down. And then we're going to go with the metallic. He's like, you're going to get me a good shiny metallic. And I'm like, I don't want him shiny. He's like, just trust me on this. And then he gave me like all the layer coats to do, how I was going to wet sand it down. And Mm -hmm. I wound up with great looking swords. 
by the end of it, like awesome looking swords. And I was like, dad was right. Can't, you know, Phil was right. He had it down pat and he gave me exactly the paint colors to use, how I was going to do it. And I got great, awesome looking swords out of it for the pictures and it, it, uh, it made it to the cover. It honestly baffles me watching cosplayers learn or, I mean, really just anybody with good paint skills turn something that looks like a foam sword and then turn it into this amazing, incredible prop. And you go, that's not real. That's not, that's, it, that's not real. It was when he told me like, these were the colors I was going to use. I was kind of like, how is giving it a blue base going to work? And he was like, just trust me. And he was 100% right. I mean, by the end of it, this looked like a beat up war torn sword. And he was a hundred percent correct. And I, that's not what I would have done, but yeah, dad right. was, he knows paint. Yeah, he's not a body man. He knew he what knew he was paint. doing. He was, he was correct. I mean, I've doing this whole process. Like I said, I, I've dressed up as Wonder Woman, Catwoman, Black Canary, Harley Quinn. And, and, you know, doing those characters, you have a lot of points of reference. You know, you could pick up mm -hmm. any any comic book and you're like, oh, I'm going to do Arkham Asylum version of Harley. I'm going to do this. You can kind of her mallet. You can figure out how you're going to do it. When you're doing characters, there's no reference, but in your head, mm -hmm. it changes things. So I've, I've learned a lot about, you know, resin casting. And, you know, when I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I have to put skulls uh, if I'm doing the Dark Fate armor. And mm -hmm. I'm like, how am I going to do skulls? What am, what am I going to do? And then I found um, ice cube trays that look like skulls. And I was mm -hmm. like, well, I'm going to learn resin casting real quick today. And, <laughs> you know, that's what I did. And then I was like, I don't know what glue to use. You know, you, you kind of start asking the cosplay community in general. And somebody usually has an answer for you mm -hmm. on how to do it. Or, you know, they're like, oh, if you want to get this color, they were like, don't mix it. You know, paint the inside of the mold with mica. And they were like, then cast over it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. And it helps when you got two puppies running around because my poor, you know, pure white Chewini, it looked like something at a Sleeping Beauty, you know, make it pink, make it blue. She ran at the table, hit the mic, it went up like a puff of smoke. Oh, no. And all of a sudden, poor Lady oh, Penelope no. was all different colors. And I was looking at her, and I swear it was like literally just like sleeping beauty i mean she came out of that thing and i was like i don't even know how to get this stuff off of you but it was make it pink make it blue together and i'm looking <laughs> at her i'm like honey bunch i was like now if i wasn't right in the middle of resin casting i'd be so taking care of you right now but this stuff is gonna set and i gotta pour it in yeah so you're gonna have to wait you <laughs> wait for a second you know that's when the pups like you know you just gotta wait like I, I, I'm so worried about you, and I'm so gonna take care of you. It's non toxic; <laughs> you'll be fine. Um, just give me a sec. I gotta get back to this because I'm, I'm gonna forget what I'm doing. So you know, you get right back real quick. But and other than that, yeah, it came out. She was good. She was pink for a couple of days. And <laughs> you know, this is a PSA to Peta. If, if Peta, we know that you are listening to this podcast. I know that we've said some questionable things, but we do believe in the respect of our animals, friends. So please take this as a PSA. We do respect our our furry and non furry animal friends. Thank of you. This is no animals were harmed in the making of this armor. You know, I'll put that disclaimer out there when I wear it. 
No animals were harmed in the casting of this resin. We're all good. I had some great skulls out of it. Totally worth it. Mm. And when you see the cover of book four with Jarbok mm. finally making the cover, you'll see the skulls look amazing. It's totally worth it. Totally worth it. Penelope didn't mind. It's all good. We moved on, and I learned. So go for it, Emily. Um, you know what I love about this is the the continuing theme we have with our podcast here and that is everybody on has made their dreams happen in some form or another whether it's in your case getting your dog covered in mica powder (laughs) (laughs) or in other you know we've we've seen a lot of different stories where you made it happen which you know you didn't I love how you said you had no idea what you're doing so you just turned to the cosplay community and started asking questions and you actually made it happen and now your work that you did is on the cover of a book which uh is quite an accomplishment and speaks to the um speaks to the quality of it but also the fact that you made it happen and that's something that I want to make sure our audience he gets out of this too because um I, I see a lot of people attempt, you know, or I we had this conversation this week too. This is another thing that happened this week mm-hmm. is we had the conversation of there's so many people that see some of the art and things I do and go, oh, I can never do that. And I get that everybody's skill set is different, but I believe I, I can do it. Anybody can because everything that I do is pretty much a learned skill. I might have a, a, a I might be able to see colors differently than someone else or have have some kind of knack for something but generally you know you anybody could learn potentially to make a sword because mm-hmm. you did mm-hmm. right so i love that and i really want people to see that they can just dive in and make those dreams happen um which actually brought me to my other my next question which was how did this become how did the, your book series become something you wanted to make happen? I would never, if you had asked me, like, my dad will tell you that when I was a kid in second grade, he has an essay or, you know, an essay for a second grader is a paragraph, but that I was like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be an author. Well, the following week, I also said I wanted to be Wonder Woman. So take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, you know, I I don't remember. But I was not a classically trained author. So let me put that out there. I was working as a nurse in a Lyme disease clinic. And I had a patient that I was very close to who just didn't want to sit for treatment anymore. And he literally looked at me one day and said, keep me in this chair because I don't want to do this anymore. And so I said, tell me something interesting about yourself. And he said, well, I was recruited by the CIA out of college. And I'm like, did you take the job? And he's like, of course not. We made some jokes and some conspiracy theories went back and forth. And I'm like, oh, we could have found out what was in Roswell. You should have taken it. You know, once again, conspiracy theories went back and forth, you know. (laughs) I'm like, we could have seen the grays. We could have done this, you know. And so the jokes just went. And I said, well, you know where Lyme disease really comes from. And once again, Plum Island, this joke, that joke. And out of my mouth to this day, I don't know what made me say it because I was not reading books about the Fae. I said, no, the fae. And he was like, the what? And I'm like, you know, fairies. And he was like, no, who are they? And I said, oh, some big CIA agent like you, you know all about it. You were sent here to find out if the nurse is really the brains behind this Lyme disease operation, right? And he just sat in his chair and he went, 
yeah, tell me more. And the story just came out of my mouth. And I just started telling him this story about a CIA agent who was really sent there to find out if this nurse was a fey human hybrid. And that's all I started talking about. And then I'm like, you know, the fey were angels who were locked out of heaven. And every time something would happen in the IV room, I would just weave it into the story. And he would just come back, sit and listen. And that's how the whole thing started. It was, I don't want to say a joke, but it was just a means to an end. I just wanted to keep him in the chair. I put him into the story. I made him the CIA agent. And I was just like, okay, this will keep him in here. And as it kept going, he kept listening. And then the guy next to him was listening. And I was like, okay, whatever. You know, this, this keeps him in the chair. We're all good. I'm going to PA school. Who cares? Like, whatever. You know, I'm going to go make some money. I'm going to become a dermatology PA. I'm going to go stick some Botox in some people. I got stuff to do. Like, that's really what I was thinking. Like, make me some money. Don't care. Whatever. Uh, the universe had a totally different plan for me. I wound up going into anaphylaxis after a needle stick. Turned out I was allergic to all the drugs in the facility that I was giving people uh, and almost died. Oh. And literally... My patient was there and was like, so you're going to go write that book that I've been telling you to write now? He's like, because I told you write this story down. And I was like, yeah, shut up. I'm still going to PA school. Like, I was just like, I spent too much money on my education. I took all the prereqs. I'm in the CASPA cycle. I ain't got time for this. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it turns <laughs> out they won't let you into PA school when you're anaphylactically allergic to a bunch of drugs. Um, doesn't matter if you get in. So uh, at that point, I had written the story. I thought it was going to be one book. I wrote the story down, and what I would do is I would handwrite it, and then I'd go, oh, people are probably going to want to know where the fae came from. I'd open up another journal and go, okay, and start writing the next chapter of, like, another book, and just kept writing. And I wound up with all these books sitting in journals. Wow. And I'm like, I guess I should do something with this. And that's really how it started. And my patient was cheering me on the entire time. And that's really, really where Birth of the Fae came from. He keeps joking with me because he's like, you wrote all these other books and I don't appear till book six. <laughs> and he's like, and this whole thing started with me. And so I actually put him in. He's Agent Graham who shows up in book six. That's his literary persona but it all came from him and just me telling a story as a nurse. Mm -hmm. So it was not me sitting down saying, one day I'm going to write a book and I'm going to be an author. It was just me trying to entertain a patient. And then it grew into this, this novel and the series and everything like that. And then um, I was originally with one publisher and then I met my current publisher on a podcast. And the minute the podcast was over, I was ready to sign off and they were like, so are you happy where you are? And I'm like, huh? And they were like, we specialize in fantasy, come with us. And I was like, okay, let's talk. And that kind of took it over. And that's when they were like, and we're going to put you on the cover of the books. We're going to play with your cosplay background and things just fell in. So this is where I'm at now, but never where I thought I was going to be. Right. No. <laughs> Do you keep in touch with that patient then? You must. He is one of my best friends to this day. I talk oh, to him several times a week. That's awesome. Um, he's, he, and he, like I said, he keeps asking, like, when do I show up in the series? I'm like, you're coming, you're coming. I was like, just <laughs> bear with me. 
I was like, you're going to be there. I was like, Agent Graham is showing up. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm trying to convince him to be on the cover of book six with me as my little homage to him. And like, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. But um, we talk about it. He's probably one of like my biggest cheerleaders in this whole endeavor. He mm-hmm. was the one who was really like, you need to write this down. You, you have to do this. And I was kind of like, who's going to want to read about, you know, I was like, I wrote a book, you know, as I was writing it, I'm like, I would give him a page and he would be like, okay. And then once he moved back, as he had moved up from Pennsylvania to Westchester County to get treated. Uh, so when he moved back, he would literally call me and say, just read me what you wrote. He's like, just read it to me. I just want to hear it. And I'd be like, okay, you know, and I would send him pictures of the dragons and he'd be like, okay, this is what I think. Like he was right there. Any questions I had about CIA stuff, he would tell me, hey, this is how it was done. You know, they wouldn't carry because I, when I was writing stuff, I was writing about like the guns and I have no idea about guns. And he was like, why would you? He's like, that's not a gun. And he's like, they don't do that. And I'm like, well, I don't know. And he's like, these are the kind of guns. Like you do this. And I was like, okay, great. He acted as like my consultant on some stuff. So yeah, he's 100% great about all of it and, and behind me. So it was really sweet. That is really great. I think it's really nice to have like a support system and it kind of comes from Mm -hmm. very unexpected places. Um, For, for a while, I didn't know kind of what my support system was when I was doing theater or that sort of thing in it. For some people, it's family for other people, it's friends that you find along the way. Um, So, but to find a patient who's just like, yes, do this. I think that is that speaks to the incredible friendship that two people can have. And it's, that is, that's very inspiring. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. He's, he's great. It was not something I ever thought I would have found. Not in a hundred years. For sure. So, so everybody go do research on who this man is. Uh, He's going to come out in book (laughs) six. I will let you know who he is in book six. I can just tell you he's got horrible taste in football teams. And that's how we met was because he's got a horrible taste in football teams. I'm a Giants fan. He's a Ravens fan. Ooh. Ravens and Giants mm. don't exactly. Ooh, we don't mix. And that's, that's exactly why we started talking. One of that our. That was really why. Oh, I'm sorry. I was. Caponis, one of our moderators slash producers is a. Uh... A Giants fan, so he'll love to hear that. Go Big Blue. That's why we, yeah, because he was like, he said something while we were in the IV room once, and he said something about the Ravens, and I just turned around, and I was like, I can never stick you now. You're a Ravens fan. And I was like, that's it. Like, we're done. I can't talk to you. It's over with. He was like, what are you doing? And he was like, well, it could be worse. I could be a Dallas fan. I'm like, you're a Ravens fan. And then somebody across the room went, well, at least I'm not a Patriots fan. And I was like, can we all agree on that? Like, can we get a general consensus of the room? What's the deal here, people? <laughs> but that's how we started bonding. And that's how the whole room started bonding, because I would work the weekends. So I was there Saturdays, uh, Saturday, Sundays, and holidays. Mm-hmm. So I was always there. And... On the weekends, I would be like, guys, you got to be out by one o'clock. It's the early game. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, people. And I'd be sticking people like, I got, you know, come on. It's it's boxes on. It's the pre-show. Let's go. I got to get in there and Howie and Michael. Come on. 
and I've been sticking people to get him out because it's the game. And finally, like one day, he turned around. And he went, "It's just the Giants." I was like, "I'm, I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> like if I stick myself, I will bleed blue right here. I was like, "What color will you bleed?" And he was like, "Purple." I'm like, "Oh, we got a problem. <laughs> this is not good for our room. What is happening here?" But yeah, we we bonded over football. Like I said, he's got a horrible taste in teams, and it just it went from there. And you know, it's been ever since. And to this day, we will still, especially during football season. I mean, it would just be nonstop back and forth with the you know. But lately, I haven't had much to brag about. Um, so I've, I've had to keep that a little quiet. Um, Caps well, but you know. Oh, go ahead, Trey. I'm sorry. Well, Capone said, "Oh, I would stick him right behind the rib cage." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trust me. I would. There were times I thought, like as he was leaving, I could trip you. I could bandage you up when I'm done, and we could call this whole thing an accident. You know, it wouldn't be that bad. Um, but you know, <laughs> those are fighting words. So I. <laughs> You know, it was bad. It was, it was bad. it would get bad in there because we had one. We did have one other patient who was a Dallas fan, and then we would just turn on him whenever he'd go to open his mouth, and I'd be like, "Put your headphones back on. Stop talking." <laughs> yeah, that's what he would do. He would just be like, "All right, I'm gonna be quiet now." <laughs> one thing that I that I find incredible about your past as well. So not only one did you start get the inspiration from this in the middle of a in the middle of a room. Uh, with a patient you also have this incredible background in cosplay and then you're also an an established martial artist question mark um and i'm not questioning your martial arts skills i'm just uh that is a very diverse background Uh, how one did you get into the cosplay world and two how did you get into martial arts was it because of the patient because you wanted to like (laughs) martial arts at him (laughs) you wanted to I was always I was always beating him up long before he's 6'5". Um, and he still is scared of me. So and rightfully so. Um, no. I did take him to his first Comic Con though. I did take him to his first Comic Con and he literally walked around with his jaw on the floor going, Oh my god, look at all that he was so like blown away by Comic Con, but I did I did take away his Comic Con virginity. So, you know, I feel blessed. I feel honored in that sense. Um, I did take him to his first Comic-Con. We've been there twice now. Uh, and the rule is no capes at Comic-Con because I got stepped on constantly to where he had to walk behind me. And then I took him back there when I was dressed as Wonder Woman. I went as Gal's version and I couldn't bend forward uh, because I had the armor was so tight. And so mm-hmm. that if I dropped something, I'd just look at him and go, could you, could you go get that, please? Because I, I can't bend down. So you need to take somebody when you're, when you're dressed up like that. Um, yep. The handler but, is what we used to call Yes. You, yeah. you need a picker-upper. You need a picker-upper. <laughs> you just do. It's just one of those things. You need a picker-upper. And he was my picker-upper. Um, but I've taken him a couple times. We've had a good time going. It's always a lot of fun. He now wears a Hello, My Name is God sticker, and that's his cosplay. We walk around that way. And it it works for us, just does. Uh, I've gone, I think, as Black Canary, Raven, and Wonder Woman with him. I think those have been my three costumes. So uh, it's it's been nice. But I got into uh, I've been in martial arts. I think since I was eighteen, I started, and I went because I wish I had some great like you know 
oh, I always wanted to be. But um, no, I just wanted to go to New Orleans with my girlfriend, Jen. And my dad pretty much said, the only way you can go, he's like, I'm not letting you go alone with Jen of all people. Because he knew trouble was just going to follow. So he said, um, if you get your yellow belt in Taekwondo, I'll let you go. And he knew uh, my instructor because my brother had taken some Taekwondo with him and it was at my gym. So he just knew, like, let me make this as easy for her as possible. And so I was like, oh, okay, sure. And so I, like every typical 18-year-old, made it as difficult as I could on myself and walked in, chewing gum, crop top, makeup on my face, went to the head of the line with the black belt, hand on my hip. Hi, I'm here to take some karate, you know, that kind of attitude. And um, yeah, proceeded to get my butt kicked. Uh, you know, push-ups on the floor on my knuckles, stayed there. Jen came with me and then she took two seconds and was like, yeah, I'm out of here, walked out. And uh, I met my instructor who was just like, what are you here for? And I called him by John, his first name. It was the only time I ever did that in 10 years. First and last time I ever did it. And he was like, what are you here for? I was like, I want to take karate. And he was like, first of all, it's Taekwondo. I kept chewing the gum. Still didn't realize I shouldn't be doing this. Still didn't figure it out. And he was just like, and you're here because? I was like, I want to go to New Orleans with my girlfriend. And my dad says, I have to get a yellow belt. You know, the whole thing. Like, somebody smack me. This is like a movie. With the black belts. Like, you know, I look at it now and I'm like, why didn't this man kill me? And he, he, and he was like, he could have, like, easily. <laughs> like, I don't, to this day, I don't know why he didn't. And he looked at me and he went, he just, he was like, um, can you do a push-up? And I swear I stared at him and I went, yeah, and not one of the girly ones. And he went, oh, good. And I mean, now I can see this, like, him just salivating. And he was like, get down and do a push-up. And I did one. And he was like, do another one. And then he went, now do it on your knuckles. And I did one. He went, good, hold it. And walked away. And I remember going, John. And he was like, and he walked back. He's like, I said, hold it. And at that point, I went, huh, something's okay. And I held it. And I don't know why I held it, but I did. And then he just walked away and started class. But I kept holding it. And after a couple minutes, I was like sweating, arms were shaking. And I'm like, and he came back. And he was like, now go to the bathroom. Wipe that crap off your face. Go get a shirt that actually fits you and come back. And I, and I went to say, yeah. And he went, what's my name? And I went, yes. Because uh, I was like, I don't know how to answer this man. He's like, sir. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I went and did everything and came back. And he's like, one of us could leave here in a body bag. It's not going to be me. He's like, you're either going to be my greatest accomplishment or you're not going to make it. And I was like, okay, sensei. He's like, I'm not a sensei. And I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure, dude. Like, whatever you want, man. I'm good. Like, because all I think was, I need this yellow belt. So I got to do whatever he says. And after a month, I never paid for another class in 10 years. And I was hooked. And that was it. I was like, he sees something, so I'm going to stick this out. Mm-hmm. And I was I was hooked. I was there, and that was it. And then um, 
I think I was a yellow four tip. So I had my little stripes and he dropped me off at a tournament. Like didn't tell me, just dropped my ass off at a tournament. It was like, you're going to compete. It was a tuck and roll. He like drove me to a tournament one day, told me we were going to clean the school. I showed up and I was like, oh, okay. He's like, let's get in the car. We got to go get supplies. Drove me up to a middle school. And I saw like all these karate people. And I'm like, what's going on? And he looked at me, he goes, yeah, I signed you up for a tournament. Get out. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you did what? He's like, yeah, I signed you up for a tournament. Get out. Go to the registration desk. I have to park. And I'm like, I like karate kid stuff. He's like, yeah, get out. (laughs) And I got out of the car and I was sitting there with my gear bag, like on the curb, just, I'm like, what? Um, uh, okay. Uh, and I walked in and there was pre-registration and I gave them my name and they were like, okay, so you're doing forms and fighting beginner women. And I'm like, forms and I'm sorry, what is that? And they were like, you know, Kata. And I'm like, no. Uh, uh." And then Mr. McLaughlin comes walking in like he's, you know, part in the Red Sea. And I was just like, well, he goes, let's go, go in the gym. We walked in this big gymnasium. There's just tape on the floors, which that's a ring apparently. And I'm like, what? I'm sorry. He goes, go watch. And he just shooed me off. And I was like, watch. And all of a sudden there's people screaming and yelling. And I'm like, what exactly do they do here? And he's like, watch. And I'm watching them. And then Mark Marzullo, who became my Taekwondo brother, comes up. He was representing my organization's team. And Mr. McLaughlin's like, this is Danny. She's competing today. And I'm like, I, I, I am. And Marzullo looks and he goes, you didn't tell her? He goes, no. And he just dies laughing right on the spot. He's just laughing. And I'm like, and then we watched some girl who's getting ready to fight. And they took a bow and hit her between the legs. And I'm like, why are they hitting her? And he's like, and Marzullo goes, oh, yeah, girls have to start wearing protective equipment down there. And I just looked at McLaughlin. And I'm like, you didn't say anything about equipment? And he's like, well, you got shin guards. You got foot gear and hands. He goes, I got headgear, and then he goes, no, she needs a cup. And I'm like, cup? Whoa. So he goes, you better go to, like, the supply curl because they've been selling out today. There was none left. He had to buy me a jock strap for a boy. So we go to the bathroom, and I'm trying to figure out how to put this thing on. Um, that was That was a whole new experience for me. So I <laughs> – Yeah. Yeah, that's – you know, when you think of a guy buying you lingerie for the first time, you don't think a jock strap. Um, <laughs> so there's my instructor in a middle school bathroom holding the door. And so this door is coming up to his chest. And there I am. And I'm going, how do I? He goes, you know, if I had two peanut shells and a rubber band, we'd do better than this. And I'm like, and I'm like, how do I? He's like, just put it on over your underwear you'll be fine and i'm like yeah but i gotta do forms he goes just make sure it fits they don't mm-hmm. have the one that you slip in your underwear i don't know what to tell you kid and i'm like okay it's a whole new world i come out <laughs> and i'm walking like like john wayne i go i guess it fits i i don't know i i, I how do you <laughs> kick like this he goes they're gonna see you kick coming from a mile away if you get kicked between the legs it won't hurt I take it off. He goes, go watch forms. I watch forms. 
I compete in forms. I win. I'm like, yay. Now it's time to fight. I get a quick, like, crash test lesson in sparring. And it's point sparring, so it's pretty much tag. And I'm looking at my instructor. He goes, just go hit somebody. He goes, hit Kiai and get out. He goes, that's all you got to know, okay? He goes, that's it. He goes, I hit you all the time. It's fine. I'm like, everything seems to be fine with you today. I go back, I put my jock strap on, I come back out. And the guy hits me between the legs. And then he looks at me, because it makes like a good thump. When you're wearing a jock strap, it makes a thump. And the guy looks at me, he goes, what are you wearing? I said, they were out of the feminine shield. He goes, so you, you're wearing, I go, I'm wearing a jock strap. And he goes, oh, where's your, I go, he's over there. And I just point to McLaughlin because I'm like, I'm not even going to explain this. I'm just not. I'm not even, so McLaughlin comes over, he goes, what's the problem? The guy goes, you know, they have the ones that just slip in. He goes, they're out of them. This is all she had. She couldn't compete without it. So the guy goes, going to be a bitch to kick like that, but okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Like that. And I go, all right. He goes, go. And he just backed up. He went, go, just, just go. I fought with the girl and she just jumped around me. I just walked up to her and just punched her. And the guy goes, point. And I looked at my instructor. I went, that's all I have to do. And he goes, just, just Danielle, fight. He goes, just, just watch the girl and fight. And Marzullo's cracking up because he goes, you really didn't prep her. And he goes, no, I just told her to hit the girl. So I walked over to her, hit her again. Point. I go, that's it? This is all this is? I won fighting. I come out and I got my two little trophies. I'm still walking funny. And I'm like, <laughs> and my instructor just went, I will come to one tournament a year to watch you. The rest is on you. I go, good. I don't, I want, I don't want to wear a jockstrap anymore. <laughs> He goes, I would invest in the shield. I would, I shall. And that was it. <laughs> and that was the start of my tournament career, my martial art career. <laughs> I never wore a jockstrap again, though. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> I should have bronzed that jockstrap. You say I that again? I should have bronzed it, though. Oh, should have bronzed, bronzed it. the jockstrap. Yeah, had I known it would have been like <laughs> what it would have led to, yeah, I would have kept it. But no, I did not. <laughs> so yeah, that was the start of my career. Years later, it led to Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Who would have known? Okay. <clears throat> no. Yeah. He's, he's, he's taking a minute. <laughs> I'm going to as well. Go ahead. Yeah. Ah, oh, thirsty. Um, Many tournaments, yes. But they do hit you between the legs just to test. So, you know, I learned about the shield. Thank God. <laughs> and that was, um, that was one of my first lessons. And my instructor would only come to one tournament a year after that. After that, I drove up and down the East Coast and competed by myself. Wow. Wow. So in total, yeah. how many how many tournaments have you won or I'll start it like this. How many tournaments have you competed in? And two, how many of those have you won? I've competed in over five hundred. Um, I've placed in every one of them. First, second, or third. Wow. Holy There's not a tournament I have not placed in. 
Um, now that doesn't mean I won all my fights. My instructor used to make me fight as well. I was a forms competitor. That was my specialty, but my instructor did not want me to just, he knew I loved forms. He knew I did not love point sparring. Um, I mean, who I, I just point sparring wasn't my thing because to me it was so subjective. You have to get all your judges to agree that you hit somebody, not hit. It was a game of tag. Um, and after I won forms, I was kind of like, well, now these girls are aiming for me. So Ooh, no bueno. Um, but he made me fight. He was like, no, you're not going to be one of those girls that just goes in, does forms and leaves. He's like, you have to fight. So I always had to fight. I didn't always place in fighting. I always placed in forms. Because um, fighting, I just was like, eh, you know, whatever. Um, I've had my nose broken in fights afterwards where I've gotten hit after the bell things like that and to me that was always like well now can I do forms you know but um I've always I've always placed I was lucky like that I just have excuse the phrase I have resting bitch face so I look mean when I'm doing forms even if I'm singing the smurf theme in my head I just look really mean and it's worked well so for all those times people were like why don't you smile more well it helped me win a bunch of tournaments so you know it worked out but um I was just a form girl and that's what I did. So, you know, I loved it. And it helped me in my writing and, and from that point on. But I did both. And um, I moved on from Taekwondo to Kung Fu, Wushu, and kept going. So when I competed at Worlds, I was actually competing in soft style, which was uh, Wushu. I'm, I'm sorry, you competed at Worlds? Yes, I competed for the WKA Team USA at the Worlds. When the U.S. when U.S. hosted the WKA World Championships, I tried out for Team USA, won a spot um, in the soft style division for the U.S. team, and that's where I won the silver medal. Uh, I lost the gold medal by a hundredth of a point due to a wardrobe issue. I did not wear a traditional uniform in the traditional uh, division. One of the coaches had suggested that maybe I go. I was competing in musical forms and I had a Shaolin monk uniform and mm -hmm. when it came to traditional he said why don't you wear the Shaolin monk uniform it just looks better on you when you move which is still considered traditional but women don't normally wear it I chose to wear that and another judge didn't like that so he took off a hundredth of a point other judges felt no it's okay she can wear that but the scores were locked in wow so um... they took it off so my fashionable flair got in my way. To that judge, we say poo-poo on you. Um, <laughs> yes. But still, you didn't lose out on the gold. You won that silver. And that, yes. is, that is an incredible accomplishment. Um, yes. so, so talking back to our theme of like making dreams come true, you've written a successful, a successful series that is continuing to spur on. You have... You have out of something that was unexpected, I want to go to New Orleans. You've made your dreams happen of now becoming this incredibly accomplished martial artist. My question to you is about martial the uh, regarding the martial arts realm. Who is an opponent that you would love to go back and fight again? Ooh, I love that one. Um, if I could have competed against anybody during that time, yes. Um, Chloe Bruce, Michelle Cransu, those were 
some of the major form girls that I never got a chance to go up against that I would have loved. They were, when it comes to forms, those were the women that you were like, okay, I'd love to pull them. They were just um, a belt ahead of me and mm -hmm. coming out as I was coming in. It was always like when I was coming in, I was the next mouse. Her name was Michelle the Mouse. So I was, you know, deemed the next mouse. So I never got to go up against her, but that's somebody I would have loved to have pulled in my time. Mm -hmm. um, I never got to. Chloe Bruce is known for the scorpion kick. I do a scorpion kick, but it's different. She's double jointed, so she actually rotates her hip above her head. So it's the ball of her foot that hits you to whereas I just do a standing split and hit you. She actually does it in this like crazy way. Uh, but those were phenomenal form competitors that I would have loved to have gotten. Um, I got judged by um, Michael uh, Jai White from Power mm -hmm. when he just did Spawn. He was just coming off of Spawn. He was getting ready to do the Mike Tyson pick, biopic, and he judged me in form. And I won my first Underbelt Grand Champion when he was the head judge. And that was like my big, oh my God moment. You know, like getting judged by him was, and then him coming up to me saying, okay, I love your form. This is what you did. You know, that was my big, okay, this is pretty cool. So, you know, having him tell me, you've got a great traditional form, do more with it, you know, keep competing. I was like, all right, that's my seal of approval. And then of course, having Vincent Lynn, you know, being with him for a while was great. I mean, he's a phenomenal form competitor. Vincent is just, he moves like water. There's, mm -hmm. I've seen the man do a form on, a, on the back of a horse. It's, there's nothing better than that. You know, as much as people joke, you know, when you see somebody in the movies, you're like, can they really do what they do? Mm -hmm. I can attest Vincent can do everything you see in the movies. Vincent does. Yeah. 100%. He, he actually does it. So once you've done that, I've, I've trained with um, Coach Jing Bong Joon who was on the Wushu team with Jet Li. Okay. okay. And there's nothing like that. He was on with Jackie Chan and Jet Li at the same time. They were all together on the Wushu team, on the Beijing Wushu team. When I trained with him, at one point we were running. I didn't even know he was running. I thought he was riding something. He was that smooth running next to me. Wow. And I just turned around. I had to look at his legs because I was like, oh, he's moving. It was like... It was, it was unworldly. I was just staring at him like, how are you doing that? And he did Eagle Claw, which is what I was doing at the time uh, for Worlds. And he was just trying to tell me that it was all in the eyes. And I'm like, how is Eagle Claw in the eyes? And then he made his face look like an eagle as he was sitting there in the pose. And I'm like, oh, damn, that's how, you know, it was just one of those moments. I'm like, well, that's how it's in the face. Like, he was just talking about intensity and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I've got to train with some incredible artists. Mm -hmm. So if I had my chance to go up against somebody like the mouse, mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's kind of what you want. Now I, I would need forever to train, but at my prime, that would be it. Of the people that you fought though, who would you want a rematch against? Um, who would I want a rematch against? I I had one instance where I was supposed to fight my assistant instructor for black belt grand champion at a mm -hmm. tournament. And I was not allowed to because they pulled the female mail card uh, okay. and him and I never got to, and he even wanted it. 
because he was like, this is what every instructor wants. The chance to fight one of their students. And he's like, the fact that she's made it this far, he's like, is, is a compliment to all of us. He's like, and I want the match. He's like, she's fought six times. I fought, had to fight six people to get there. He's like, she deserves it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I fought my guys. We need to go. And it was a continuous bout, two minutes. And it would have declared the overall grand champion of the tournament. Mm-hmm. He's like, she deserves this. And we didn't get a chance to fight it. So mm-hmm. I would have liked that match. Desperately mm-hmm. would have liked that match. Probably would have gotten my clock cleaned by Mr. Carbone, but... <laughs> It would have been a good match for me because I was competing heavily and I would have just liked to have seen where I would have been. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wanted that match. Win, lose, or draw, I still wanted it just to know. Yeah. Hold on. Let me, let me make a phone call. Hello. <laughs> Kamala Harris? I knew yep. it. <laughs> uh, we need a time machine stat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This yes. is our every single podcast we make a call to Kamala Harris and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um okay she's she's asking for the reason is the uh this dis- disestablishment of the patriarchy a valid reason to use a time machine perfect that works <laughs> yes it's the disestablishment of uh, okay you heard yes uh-huh uh-huh okay she'll have it by 20 uh by 2042 is that cool awesome i'll be waiting perfect all right so you know where to find me. I have a question that I think is on several minds at this point, and that is, so you got your yellow belt. Mm-hmm. Did you get to go? Did you went back yes, to your I dad went to New and Orleans. went? Did you get to say? And my dad couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's like you actually got your that yellow I made belt it that way. Yes, he was shocked that I did it, and yeah, I got to go to New Orleans, and Jen and I had a great time. And we toured all of Anne Rice's haunts. Oh, cool. And went to Cafe Ooh. Dumont. And that was the whole point was because we were reading a bunch of Anne Rice books. Um, you know, isn't that why everybody goes to New Orleans? Um, you <laughs> no, know. Uh, no other reason whatsoever. <laughs> no other reason at all. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> girl. Of course not. Yeah. Um, and I got to, you know, we got to go see all of Anne Rice's haunts and run around pretending to meet Lestat and whatever else we did. But yes, we went and had a great time. And it was everything I wanted it to be is, you know, as two Anne Rice fans, of course, you know, every, mm. everywhere we went, we thought we saw something. So, you know, the usual, sure. we got to see an albino alligator. Oh yeah. What's better than that. Mm. So, you know, we had a, we had a ball and I got to go to new Orleans and, you know, got a martial art career out of it. Dad was right again. Even, you know, even a broken clock is right twice. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was fun. There were two comments from the audience. I wanted to make sure we at least read to you. Um, one was from Caponis, and this is when you were talking about when you first were doing the push-ups and then on the, your knuckles. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Arms are shaking, eggs and bacon, hand sweaty, mom spaghetti." I even oh, googled M&M, that. M&M, nice. I even googled that, and I was like, "Is that Eminem?" Okay. And then uh, Archer33x, who is Josh, uh, said, Michael Jai White, very cool. Thank you. Yes, he was very nice. He was very nice. He actually, when he walked in, nobody knew he was going to be there. It was a charity tournament. And he had competed there when he was younger. And he walked in and did a backflip 
and the bat and the top of his foot hit the bottom of a basketball hoop in a high school gym, and then he landed. Wow! And everybody went, oh, and he went. You don't mind if I judge, right? I sit <laughs> in on this, and nobody said a word. It was just like fawn fear, and it was one of the the tournaments my instructor came to, and he just went, "Who's that?" And I went, "It's Spawn." I was like, "Okay, you just don't say a word. It's Spawn," and he was just like, Ugh. "And I'm like, sure." Embarrassing me. It was like one of those dad moments where I'm like, "Come on, don't don't talk, nothing, spawn." You know, I'm just sitting there like, and he's just staring at me like, and I'm like, and all I'm thinking is, I got to perform in front of Spawn. Just it's enough. I can't handle this right now because I'm geeking out in my comic book, you know, way. And he's just like, who is this dude? What is going on? And I'm like, it's Spawn. I can't right now. Like, <laughs> you know, if the cape comes out, I'm out of here. You don't understand what's going on in my head. Because, you know, underneath it all, I would still wear my little Wonder Woman like tank top. Mm-hmm. Every tournament. I had my little Wonder Woman Deborah Winger one that I had that I made, like with the little stars, because, you know. And so I'm cosplaying underneath it all, not knowing it's cosplay. And like I said, I got Spawn in front of me, and I got my instructor like, who's that? Shut up. I ain't got time for this, dude. You know, there's two people to be scared of. You are no longer the top dog. He is. (laughs) For some of our audience who may not know who that is, he also played, um, I believe it's Jax from the Mortal Kombat series. Um, And he was also in a Tyler Perry show. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a legit martial artist. This is no like, oh, I do it because, you know, this is, okay, I love Buffy, don't get me wrong, I love Sarah Michelle Gellar, but this this is not like, I do Taekwondo, okay, Buffy, no, this is like, this dude is legit, okay, this is like, he's a real martial artist, this is no joke, like, he's certified by Bill Superfoot Wallace, he's a real martial artist, so it was scary when he walked in, everybody was silent, and he took the middle chair which martial art wise, like middle judge, everybody's bowing left and right to him. And this is my first underbelt grand champion. Mm-hmm. So I am terrified. And everybody you're going up against musical form, open hand form, uh, weapons. It's everybody who does forms are now together. So you're wondering how you're going to compete with the chick that's like doing 10 backflips in a row and then throwing one kick, you know, musical forms, weapons, it's all together. And I'm like, I have to stand out and I'm just doing little traditional forms and then spawn sitting there. So it was just, it was scary. There's something you said that, but I won. Oh yeah. Oh, I won. Damn straight. I won. Hooray. I was not leaving without that 10 foot trophy. I'm sorry. That's awesome. My fault. No, I love that attitude. I'm not leaving without this trophy. One thing you said was that the middle chair, is that a coveted or a, a yes, that's your head judge. elevated? That's, that's the senior okay. position. Yep. I wonder yeah, if that's like the main dude. Okay. I wonder if anybody can verify if that's true for anything else or is that specifically to martial arts? Um, usually for martial arts, that's, that's the main thing. But I mean, I guess if you're sitting, even think about if you're watching Game of Thrones, usually the, you know. That was always the the main chair. The person was in the, the middle, middle is chair on the throne. Yeah, C- Capona said yeah. the Last Supper. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the last second. Yeah, Jesus wasn't taking Jesus like the Jesus is in the middle. Um, I just asked because I've judged a few things before, and I've always ended up in the middle chair, and I thought it was just because the other chairs were easier access to, like, I don't know, the bathroom or something. <laughs> I never thought about it, and I wondered if that was, like, on purpose or if it just – was it reserved? I, I don't know. It's been a while. I judged costume contests for Comic Cons. Yeah, probably so I, with seniority. I don't know because I, I, mean, I know the people to ask though, so we'll figure that out. We'll figure You'll that have out. Have to later. do some research now. I gave you, some, I gave you homework. Yeah, thank you. That's what Emily, I need more the, work. It was what? a huge crowns that you would walk in with because I mean, <laughs> like just walking with these massive crowns, and it, 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 people just feel obligated. You know, it was funny because one of the times that I went was at a library in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, so you can imagine what library. You can Google that. Um, so they had this little Comic-Con and it was like, they were really, they really went all out for a library. I thought that was actually really cool. And they invited me down to judge the costume contest. And I had the, the big black wings. They're 12 feet wide when they're open. And I, ha I brought these wings because I thought, oh, I'm going to – it's a wow factor thing for me. So I show up in these wings, and then they're like, oh, yeah, you have the middle chair there. And I was like, oh, well, the wings aren't – they're not going to fit. They're gigantic. Even folded, they're four feet wide. So, like, people can't sit on either side of me easily. <laughs> so I was, like, taking the wings off to go sit, and this guy came and sat next to me, and he was – I don't know what comic he wrote – and I, I was embarrassed because I was like, I'm sorry, I haven't heard of that one. This is like one of those stories I should tell on TikTok. And so it'll go viral because I'll, I was such an idiot. So, so I'm sitting in the middle chair and this guy, I want to say his name was Brian, came and sat next to me and he was like, we introduced, we shook hands, we introduced ourselves. He's like, hi, I'm the, I write this comic. And I was like, oh, okay, so nice to meet you. And I was like, I haven't heard of that one, but like, uh, very interested to hear about it I try to be nice and the, there was another girl on the other side of me and I don't remember much about her because of how embarrassed I was about the Brian situation because later when when the judging was over he goes I have to get out of here because I get swamped with fans so nice to meet you thank you bye and he left and I was like oh okay well yeah nice to meet you I might have given Brian Michael Bendis if I saw a picture oh. of him if I, no, that was a, in the chat. Someone said Brian Michael Bendis. I'm gonna look him up because honestly, I was um, gonna say, is it Brian Michael Bendis? When you said Brian, I was like, bump the band. I don't think that's him. This guy had hair. <laughs> um, okay. I don't think that was him. I'm not even 100 percent sure his name was Brian. Now that I've said it out loud, um. But he had to get out of there because then people started walking up. And so, like, all the people that had come in, then, like, it's over. Congratulations to the winner. Brian's like, peace out. He leaves. And, like, this crowd of people starts coming toward the judging table. And so because he peaced out, then, and the girl that was next to me is like, and I was like, and now it's me. And so, like, I'm surrounded by a lot of these people who had assumed I was famous and then was talking to me in apologizing tone saying, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. 
Uh, but I love the wings you walked in with. And I was like, thank you. And they're like, what character are you trying to be? Or what character are you? And they kept going like, forgive me because I don't know. And, and I was like, no, you're not supposed to know. I just made it up. I just made up this character. I just wore the wings today because I'm like, and I had this cape with this big hood. Right. And I was like, oh, no, I was just having fun, like making my own character. And they're like, oh, wow, we never thought about that. And they're like, we're so sorry. And I'm like, stop apologizing. It was this really weird moment because I was like, I am so. I'm not famous. Done. I don't write a comic. I don't. <laughs> and I was, so it's like trying to inch toward the door a little bit. Let me get the wings. That's really hard with gigantic wings, by the way. Oh, yes. I've, I've worn some big wings. Never that big, but I've worn some big wings. And I'm like, you know, and you're trying to go. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I have appendages. <laughs> yeah, I'm bigger than I normally am. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, and you're hitting people, right? And so I ended up being stuck in that room until like the library people came and kind of cleared it out. Uh, which wow. thank God for them because, <laughs> yeah, they were asking me very detailed questions about how I made the wings. And there's this one thing that um, I don't want to take up too much time, but I want to say the cosplay world. And you mentioned this before how you went and got on cosplay groups and started mm-hmm. asking questions. They're so welcoming and so inclusive and so yes. sharing. It is the opposite of what I experienced in the fashion world where everything is um, everything is proprietary. Everything is mm-hmm. a secret. Don't tell anybody how you did it. That's not okay. This is how we make money. But in the cosplay world, it's like the opposite. And so I felt like I shouldn't share what, how I did it. But then they were sharing with me how they did theirs. And I was like, oh, now I feel mm-hmm. terrible. Like, I, now I'm I'm not yes. returning the favor. And so I found myself reluctantly sharing how I did it. And I could see that they were confused. By <laughs> I was probably very confusing to a lot of people that day. <laughs> but that's one amazing and refreshing thing about the cosplay community that I didn't expect coming from yeah. fashion. I... I- I had a line for a while. I was in fashion for a little bit and the cosplay community, I have to say is what I love about, especially about Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con in particular. They are so welcoming. They're so nice. I remember my first moments on the con floor. What I noticed is that everybody goes out of their way, especially when they see somebody who's, maybe in drag for the first time they -hmm. will go out of their way to find that person and say something nice to them and that caught me off guard because i thought this is so welcoming and so nice that they will go and i like your wig i remember seeing a gentleman who um you could tell it was his first time in drag i mean it was very clear he was done up as wonder woman i saw so many people go up and go your bracelets are done so well the wig is so like they were just going up and saying something nice and every time Wonder Woman got a little prouder and just a little nicer. You know, it was like you could see the confidence building. And it was so beautiful to see. But the cosplay community, I know for me, just seeing them all, they've been so welcoming. I've met so many great people through the cosplay community. Um, They've been welcoming, especially to me, just that making that transition from cosplayer to author. They've gone out of their way, especially, you know, I've met like, um, he's on the uh, IG a lot, um, Legend of the Daywalker. He does Blade. It's one of the best Blades okay. out there you'll ever see. Um, 
he's always posting whenever the book comes out, you know, something new and whatever. We always go back and forth. But I met him at New York Comic Con. And mm -hmm. just so supportive, like you meet somebody at New York Comic Con, and the minute they know that like you're really a cosplayer and a true cosplayer, you're not just doing this to get some attention, which we've seen that, especially in you know recent years when it's when nerd chic is now. It's cool to be a nerd, whereas before it was like that wasn't the thing, but mm -hmm. you know, kind of that trend is now. Uh, but when they know you're a real cosplayer, they'll get right behind you and push you forward because it's like you're one of us. We we totally get it. You know, nerds, we smell our own. Cosplayers, we smell our own. We know. You know, it's, it is. That's it's like, correct, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we know it. And then it's like, oh, okay, you're not just here. You know, we know the difference when, and it's no offense to them, but we know when there's a chick dressed as Princess Leia Slave, girl who's there for a photo op or Vampirella for a photo op. Versus the girl who really knows Vampirella and can tell you her first appearance, when she showed up, you know, that Talia Soda played her in a 1980 movie. You know, like, they know those little details, and they can actually tell you all those things because they're a true fan. They know it, and then they're there to kind of help you out. And I noticed that's been my experience with the cosplay community. They're just wonderful people. They're, it's like we're not just a bunch of, you know, window-licking nerds that haven't seen the outside of our mom's basement. You know, I ran a comic book store. Believe me, I know it. It does. Uh, it, I know it. It had and has had a stigma and a, a very judgmental one for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that yeah. that is finally it's breaking away from that because it's not accurate. <laughs> mm -hmm. And no. um, speaking of, you said your transition to from cosplayer to author. I want to make sure our audience knows you have three current books that are out and readable right now. Is that right? Yes. I have um, Locked Out of Heaven, Thine Eyes of Mercy, and From the Ashes. And then my fourth book is Kingdom Come, which comes out May 30th. Okay. Cool. So, yep. That's yeah, exciting. Have, I'm excited. Are you yeah, having my a... dream is to have a graphic novel one day. Oh. You know, so I can kind of like, because that's, you know, that's more my my juice. You know, that's kind of like in my, in the genre. And that would, can I give back to the cosplay community? Cause that would me, put me out more on the con floor. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to eventually, you know, walk in a con floor and see a King Jarvok walking by me. So I can grab him and take a picture with him. How cool so. would that be? All right. Out of, out of all of the graphic artists that you, cause you're a comic book fan. Um, out of all the graphic artists for comics or graphic novels or anything like that, if you were to have your pick of any of them, and they would all say, hands down, I will definitely do this graphic novel for you, who would you pick? Mike Theodato Jr. Okay. I love him. I, I love his work. I do not know as much as, uh, as comic book stuff, so what sorts of things has he done in the past? Um, he did his first run was on Wonder Woman, uh, right after Brian Bolin, uh, and after Zero Hour, he took over. He's kind of Jim Lee styled. Then he did uh, the first run of Electra. Oh, uh, okay. he did some Lady Death, uh, some of that stuff. He he is very Jim Lee inspired. He's gone on to do Marvel. He's done everybody. He's had his own stuff, but uh, I love his work. He has a a big Wonder Woman poster that was famous where um, she's standing on top of a mountain. She's got the lasso over her head. She actually has bangs. She has uh, a very like Cleopatra style cut 
but mm-hmm. he he's got just wonderful color work. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing. But he did a run on Electra that was beautiful. So I I love him. He would be one of my major picks. He would probably be my first choice. But to do the dragons, I would still go with uh, the woman who's currently illustrating my dragons, which is Sandy Van. I found her, um, Tyler Waypole, who does amazing dragon work. I had met him at Comic-Con. He couldn't do the dragons. We just couldn't get it together. And he said, look on DeviantArt. He goes, there's somebody you should check out. And he mentioned Pandy's name. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll look. And I found her. And then she's been illustrating my dragons ever since. And has just been phenomenal and I would never go back so even if even if Mike Diodato Jr. called me tomorrow and said I will do it I would still say yeah but you got to work with Pandy to do the dragon <laughs> cool so Mike that's and, how it has to be Mike and Pandy if you're listening um you know just get, yeah oh, we'll put you in touch with Danielle just uh drop us yeah. a line Pandy's already yeah Pandy's already with me she's done all my dragons she's one of the most talented dragon illustrators you'll find her on Instagram she's hands down like phenomenal and we've done dragons together she's the one who first did my yorkie los as los the drag chameleon dragon she That's was right. the first one who did it and yeah yeah los is the dragon in my book you know because everybody needs their dog to become dragons who doesn't you know that's what so, we should do yeah. is we should you know we have that email that's please sponsor us we love you at modernromanticmag.com <laughs> I want to create another one that's making dreams come true at what we have. We have the modrom.com, which is our other, (laughs) we'll have making dreams come true. So like when things like this happen and like, this is your dream, we can be like, okay, Mike, if you're listening, email us at this, uh, making dreams come true at modern, uh, the modrom.com. And we'll get you in touch with Danielle and we will make this happen. Mike Diodato Jr. Call me, email us. And uh, let's make this happen. Let's we make need it a happen. Birth of the Fae graphic novel. Yes, with Mike Theodato Jr. I agree. You never know, because it could be Mike's dream, too. And we just haven't had him on yet for him to tell us. <laughs> you never, you see, that's right? just it. You never know. Life is full of coincidences uh-huh. and just cosmic uh, forms. And they're just partnerships waiting to happen. We've We've actually seen a few made that were very unexpected. And we're loving watching that occur so that is why i'm thinking this is we need to create that email speaking of jock straps uh yeah. not really not Don't really so i have a question for you and you're welcome to oops, yes. you're welcome to take a second to to think about the answer out of well, i'm gonna go with the three books that exist now so people could read about it if they wanted to um of the three books that are out now that you wrote what is an item in those of those inside those books, like an item that exists in that world that you would love to own as it exists in the book in real, like you would love to own it in real life. Um, I've got the crown, which was pretty big. Um, that's and cool. I've got Los the dragon. So that's kind of cool right there. But, um, I've got the Harbinger Blades, so I'm kind of psyched with that, but I don't have, I don't have one of Aurora's gowns that I'm dying to make. 
Okay. And it's the gown that she goes on her first, I'm going to give a spoiler, on her first courting session with King Jarbok. Mm. And I still want that. I've made the bishop's staff, but I don't have I don't have Aurora's courting gown. Okay. And I I keep thinking I want to make that gown, but I haven't figured out how to do it yet. So that's one of the things I would really like is uh, is her gown. And I want a silicone tail of, of uh, Lady Serena's, like a silicone replica. Because I have the cloth one, but I want the silicone one of, uh, of uh, Lady Serena's tail. Okay. That I do want. I want cool. like a real good one. So, you know, Mer Taylor. Thankfully, um, there they exist, and that is feasible. And so is a gown. You picked yes. really doable things. So those yeah, dreams those are, can come you know true. What? Yeah, those ones are all good. You know, most of them, because I think about Rowan the Fox, and how, those are all animals that I've sponsored. So to me, they exist. You know, I can go visit Rowan, and I can visit Holly, the mink, and, like, those are all animals that I can think of. I'm building the Kyanite armor, so I'm kind of like, okay. You know, the veil to me is all very tangible because I guess it's right inside my head. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I have everything from it in a weird way. So, and I've built a lot of the things in the world. I've tried to make models of it so I can always pick it up and say, you know, and hold it when I'm writing. So there's not much that I don't have from, from that world. If you could see my office, you'd probably be like, oh, dear Lord. Um, that's, it's like a replica of inside my head with the voices. Um, so <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, the voices Except for the jock a crowded up here. <laughs> yeah, the jock strap. I could always make a cod piece. I could always add a cod piece to my collection. And it'd be a kind of night. I could, there's a lot I could do with that. I might have to just add that to the armor. Trey, I'll send that to you. Okay. Caps. Thank you. You can add that to your cosplay. <laughs> you see? <laughs> Once again, full circle there, Trey. Uh, <laughs> he's hiding now. Caponis <laughs> said... Full circle. Caponis said, oh, she knows of Mer Taylor. They advertise with Terry James Alive and Gang of Two. We Didn't we yeah, just talk Mer about Mer Taylor? I wore them on the cover of um, the first book. That's a Mer Taylor Finn. Okay. Um, tail that I wore. I just put um, it's about almost seven hundred Sarovsky uh, crystals that I added to that. So wow. it would, add, yeah. I sat there crystal in that damn tail, so it would look like a little special. And then when we did it, I was like, you can't even see the damn crystals. I crystalled that whole thing. So everything, Crystal. even if I buy something, I try to do something different, just so it's it's mine in a way, you know. Miss G did the um the headpiece but no there's a lot of glitter on me on that cover too a lot of glitter uh we did handfuls of glitter because we we photographed in 90 degree heat mm-hmm. and i had originally i had pasties on the pasties literally slid off of me because the glue melted yeah. so my makeup artist took a handful of glitter and just went there and threw it at me and she's like that covers the problem and i was <laughs> covered in just yeah because we didn't know what to do we were i was covered in glue and she was sitting there so the photographer looked at her and was like you got to just peel the pasties off and so we peeled them off because they were they were sliding but the glue was left 
because Denise oh. picked up handfuls of glitter and just went and threw it at me. <laughs> and so I was covered in just glitter and hair, and I was like, all right, and there I was standing on a beach, at, well, laying on a beach because I was in the fins, and it was only 10 a.m., and it was 95 degrees. Yeah. 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 I don't like not... photographing in that kind of heat. That's always miserable. It was in a, in a fence. Yeah. It was hot. Doesn't breathe. In the sand. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I had I was sweating. I was, I was like, get me out of this thing. And then on top of that, I'm balancing, I'm balancing this big headpiece. It was like out of I Love Lucy. She was like, don't move. I'm like, I can't move even if I want to because this thing's going to topple over. And then Denise was just hitting me with more glitter. So, yeah, <laughs> it was just every time I moved, she was like, glitter. And it was just a glitter bomb. She's like, don't open up your mouth. I'm like, I can't if I want to. And then they, so there was no smiling. And she was like, mermaids don't smile. Don't worry about it. More glitter. So we were all good. But it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. And we got great pictures out of it. Yeah, I think Ariel's the only one that actually smiles. <laughs> yeah, well, she's got a lot to smile for, I guess. That's true. <laughs> so what do you find is the most fulfilling part of what you do as an author? Uh, probably the people I meet, the people I get to touch. Um, you know, I never, being that I did not set out to do this, I didn't have expectations to some extent. So I, it's hard to get disappointed. Yeah. You know, I mean, but I, I've met some incredible people. I mean, just wonderful people besides the teams that I work with. Um, Jacob, Denise, Julia, my the four horsemen. Uh, those are all wonderful people that, I, once again, I would never have met through this. But then it's the fans that I've met. Uh, I've had people come out to me that have used, you know, have called me or they've DM'd me and said, you know, what are your fae? Like, there was one story where uh, a girl asked me what my fae were. And I'm like, they're fairies. What do you, you know, I don't understand your question. She said, are they gay? Are they straight? What are they? And I said, they're nothing. They, they fall in love with the energy, not the package it comes in. Mm-hmm. And she said, can I use that tonight when I come out to my family? And she's like, well, I guess I just came out to somebody. And I was oh. like, well, rock on with your bad self, honey. And she's like, I just came out to you. And I was like, okay. I'm like, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. And she's like, I'm going to tell them I fall in love with the energy, not the package it comes in. And I was like, sure. You know, I was just like, cause I was so surprised that she was, and she's like, I just practiced it. And I'm like, once again, rock rough and tough let's go you know i was like yeah like you know because you're not you're not expecting someone to just reach out to you like that that you're like oh what i do matters because you know when you think about it when i look at it from that point of view i'm like i write i write a story about fairies Mm -hmm. you know like little wings on their back and they float around or you know my my gnomes you know I'm, i'm thinking about like this is not rocket science what i'm doing here I'm trying to get somebody to stop for two seconds, read a book and not talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, entertain themselves, whatever, give escapism. I'm not curing anything, not, you know, not doing much compared to what I used to do. Right. This was a big jump. So when somebody reaches out and touches me like that, I'm like, oh, okay, this does matter. Wow. Okay. Let me get out of the Amazon ranking, the sales figures all that stuff and realize this does matter to someone else. Mm-hmm. Shoot. Okay. 
there's there's more to it. You know, everybody wants to be the next George R. R. Martin. They want to be the next this, the next that. And it's not that we want to be like that person. It's just we're all measuring, the authors are all measuring their success that way because we're, we're put under that pressure. And then it's like, oh, somebody's reading this. They want to escape because these words mean something. And then you're like, take it back down to earth for a sec. All right, it, it changes it. So moments like that remind me that these words mean something to somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're like, oh shoot yeah okay i didn't think whether i made my say gender fluid or not would matter to somebody but then you realize it it does you know and you're like oh that's okay that's kind of cool what i do it's Hmm. not so bad you know you don't think of those things as you're plotting it because i i'm not i didn't even know what the terms plot or pantser meant when somebody asked me that on an interview, I sat there frozen because I was like, is this a sexual term or I don't know what this means. And then they had to sit there and explain it to me. And I was like, oh, I'm none of those things. I was like, I just sit there and write and hope and pray. Um, so I think just the best thing is meeting a bunch of people and realizing the written word still matters because we're in such a age of binging. You, know, you can put on Netflix and you can watch your favorite show beginning to end. I don't know when it... I remember growing up and being like wondering, you know, next week is Tootie going to actually call that boy that she wants to on the facts of life and having to wait a week, you know? And now it's like, you can find out what's going on, you know, on your favorite show in a night yeah, and watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice to know the written word still matters to somebody and can still invoke a feeling. And to be a part of that, I think is really, really special. And for anybody who picks up my book, I'm so grateful that you're picking it up because there's a lot of choices out there. There's so many. And I just want to take you on a tour and be like, wow, okay, you're in you're in my world. Please come in. I, I'm not locking the door. The door is wide open. Come on in. I'll take you by the hand. Let's go. And hope I don't disappoint you. I might, but I'm going to try not to. And let's go have a good time for a little while. And I think that's kind of the best part is I get to show you my dream Mm -hmm. and you can share it and we can, we can have some fun and discuss and it's not so heavy. Everything's like really Mm -hmm. heavy nowadays. This is just fun. So I think that's the best part of being an author is sharing a dream with somebody, you know, kind of like a movie. I love that you recognize that. I was going to say something similar. It's, I think that is the mark when you've left your mark. Um, there was a lyric, I was listening to the recording of um, Title of Show, and there is a, a lyric from one of the numbers that is, I would rather be nine people's favorite thing than one person's ninth favorite thing. And that line stuck out to me. And it just, when you when you touch someone like that and they remember that and carry that with them, that is making magic to me and that is that is your mark on the world i think that's a big i'm sorry i think that's the major major thing is that i've heard from too many authors and maybe it's because of criticism they want to hold their work and they want to make it a privilege for the reader to read it And I think it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. I feel that it's a privilege that, you know, 
for me that you want to read it. I'm honored that anybody's picking it up. I'm like, oh my God, you want to read my stuff? Come on in. Just come on into the world. Go join. Have a great time. I hope you have a good time. It's my job as the tour guide for you to to discover it and have fun. It's mm-hmm. not the other way around. And I think nowadays there's too many people that are so guarded because everybody's got to voice social media and whatnot. They're, they're, they're very worried. I'm kind of like, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you my book's for everybody because it's not. And any, any author who says my book's for everybody, BS, it's not. It just isn't. You know, I, I don't make something for the whole world. My book's for a certain reader. You have to be in the frame of mind. I got all that. So I'm not expecting the whole world to jump on and be like, yes, this is the greatest thing. No, it's not. I'm not saying it is. But every book gets a little better. And it's an escapism for that reader. And I want that reader to enjoy it and know that I'm right there walking right next to you. And we're going to have a great time. And you know what? You're going to meet my dragons. And I want you to know that, yes, Los, the chameleon dragon, that's my Yorkie. And Lady Penelope, the white deer, okay, she's got lightning antlers. I know deers aren't supposed to have it. But she electrocuted herself at four months old and survived it. So that's why she's got lightning antlers. So you can sit there. And the metal gnome, Hoggle, he's my dad. So, you know, you can kind of take these stories in and then walk the veil and be like, okay, this is her world. This is her brain. Maybe she's on crack. I don't know. But you know what? I can get lost in it after a day of work and have a great time. Because, yeah, Jarvox, Jarvox, that guy that we all know we should stay away from, but we can't. Mm-hmm. And I probably should communicate better. And I know how Aurora's feeling. And we all got a friend like Lady Serena that when we're going off the deep end, she's cheering, going, you're doing great. Yeah, that's such a good idea. When we all know it's a really bad idea to have that next shot of tequila. But she's the one giving it to you. We all got friends like that. That's kind of what I'm doing. And maybe it's for you and maybe it isn't, but that's kind of what I'm doing. And as Brother Blue used used to say, you have the power. <laughs> it's the storytelling power, like what you said, that you, when someone comes up to you and reveals something about themselves or about how your book touched them or affected them, you realize that power. And I think that is awesome that you see it and realize it and that it impacts you too and it probably impacts your writing because you see how yes, it's affecting it, it your does. audience yeah 100 percent. i've had i had a woman and she affects me to this very day and has affected my stories from this point on uh she was diagnosed with breast cancer i met her on instagram and we met because she had a rescue dog named aurora she was a tarot card reader. We started talking and she had thought she'd beaten breast cancer, was going back for chemo. I sent her a book just to be nice. I was like, look, while you're in chemo, here's the book. She read it. She wound up not beating it and wound up in hospice. Her last communication to me was, I want to be a fae. I want to live forever. We dis- devised a character and she now lives on in my stories as a fae. And she's from this point on in my books. And always, I went back and forth with her family. And I've now start, kept communicating with her family. But she's now a character in the books. Mm-hmm. And oh, she wonderful. inspired it. And that's how, and you know, we kept in touch up to her until she passed. 
and she's just, you know, she's just affected me. And whenever I write a story, I'm like, how can I put her in? And I find a way to put her in. I wrote her passing into one of the stories, but now in the novellas where I'm going back to tell um, older stories, I've put her character in. And I'll ask her family, what was her favorite flower? You know, what did she do here? So I can put those touches in. But she's affected me. And it was just somebody, you know, that I met just over Instagram. Like it was just, and it was the dogs that really kind of brought us because she happened to have a dog that looks similar to mine named Aurora. I mean, talk about a connection. But, you know, she's affected me in Windora's. She's a fae now. And, and I asked her, what faction do you want to be from? And she's like, I don't know. So we came up with one. And I said, how about this? You'll be this. And this is the character. And I wound up bringing her in. And so it's a, you never know who you're going to meet and how your voice is going to affect somebody else. That's, that's not something you can ever plan. And so I've, I've kept her in and I'm, it's just changed me. It's changed how I write. I believe it. And how wonderful. Danielle, I, I honestly have to say, I think that is an incredible note to to leave our audience on. You have woven such an incredible, magical tale of how you brought your dreams to reality in a variety of different contexts. It doesn't have to be just fantasy. It can be through a multitude of different things. And um, I know you don't need, need this, but I believe in spreading positivity. Um, I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of Thank the accomplishments. I'm proud of the accomplishment accomplishments um, that that you've made up to this point. So thank you for sharing that with us. It is truly touching, and I sincerely hope that you continue to spread that magic throughout the world. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm very proud of your podcast on both of what you guys have done. Thank I've you. been watching Emily for so long, you know, just on Instagram. <laughs> We've gone back and forth for so long that, I'm, you know, I'm proud to be a part of all of this. I'm a fan of the magazine and of your work, Emily. I've, I've loved your photography and I've been a fan for a long time. Trey, this was wonderful to meet you. I'm glad well, that I was able to make you smile tonight. So, you know, <laughs> yes. now don't let me catch you trying on jock straps, but, you know, <laughs> you look like, you know, you might be doing that. You might add that to your cosplay. <laughs> You look like you might um, do that. You'll be the hi, first to know. <laughs> hi, mom. If you're listening, um, please skip over this part, please. <laughs> Does your mom listen? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> so but tonight would be the night. Thanks, Trey's mom, for, for not listening. <laughs> Um, Daniel, um, we want to make sure that, uh, that we not only direct your, um, your audience to your novels, um, one, let's start with where can they purchase your novels? You can purchase them on barnesandnobles.com, amazon.com, bookshop.org, where most of the proceeds go to smaller bookshops, which is always great cool. for those people that are kind of not into Amazon, which I get it, uh, books a million, or they can go directly to the publisher at fourhorsemanpublications.com. And then you can always find me on birthofthefay.com or my Instagram to catch up on all things Fay at uh, birthofthefay underscore novel. For a podcast about art mm -hmm. and romanticism, we've talked the most about sports tonight than we ever have. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. Wow. It just, <laughs> it just turned into that, which is fine. 
<laughs> no problem. Good stuff. Um, go check out, go support the small businesses, but check out her books. Um, and uh, follow her on Instagram. And is it just Instagram? It's just Instagram. Okay. Are you? Do you actually? Are you active on Twitter? I ha- I have a Twitter account at Birth is a Fay. Okay. I saw that in your bio, but I didn't know if I should bring that up too. So, okay. Some people are more Twitter people. I'm not, but whatever. Um, I'm more of an Instagram girl, obviously. If I'm walking around with a crown on my head, I guess I'm more visual. (laughs) Typically, Danielle, at the end of our shows, we do like to end with a a quote from the evening. And I had been searching because uh, we're more in the, the, the fantasy realm and more with magic. And I tried to find one that... Um, I think spoke to your work and it really captured the essence of making dreams happen and actually came across this one from Roald Dahl who said above and above all watch with glittering eyes the whole world around you because the greatest secrets are always hidden in the, in the most unlikely places those who don't believe in magic will never find it that's beautiful that's perfect I love it um, so with that being said ladies and gentlemen thank you and and I'm sorry, but queen with a crown on your head, I can't call you anything mm. but queen. Um, Danielle, it has been a pleasure. We are pretty much available on every podcast outlet at this point. So you can't get away from us. We do live here now. We are your friends. We love you and you love us. And we're coming to raid your fridge. We are. Um, please. <laughs> um, I really do like Lindor truffles. So if you can stock those, thank you. Mm. Um, please check us out for free where, whenever you get a, uh, where you get acquire, collect, plunder, or download podcasts. Uh, for updates, announcements, and info on who our next guests are, please follow us on social media. Thank you, Danielle, for coming on. We appreciate Thank you. you. Thank being you for here. having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you.